Well, good morning, Golden Corner Church. Good to see you. You know what? This is just one of those Sundays where I really needed to see you, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, last week, I started a sermon series entitled The Mystery of Suffering, and we're just going through the Old Testament book of Ruth, looking for an answer to the question, why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Now, last week, we started off answering a preliminary question, would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And in chapter number one, we found our answer to that question. Yeah, he would. He would. Which I think raises another question. A God that would allow something bad to happen to a good person, is he a good God? Is he a good God? Or is he some ogre? Is he cruel? Is he an unjust God? Is he indifferent? Aloof? Or is he a good God? I want us to look for the answer to that question in Ruth chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses together. Before we do, kind of let me set the stage and tell you what's happening. I want to encourage you to do something. If you miss any one of these five sermons on the book of Ruth, please catch that sermon before you come back because it's kind of a complicated, intricate story. And, and I want you to stay as current as you can. But I'm going to give you kind of a brief recap of where we are. We're looking at a family of four Israelites who lived in the town of Bethlehem. The husband and father's name was Elimelech. The wife mother's name was Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Kilion. Now, they're farmers by trade, and they were in the midst of an extreme drought that produced a severe famine, and this family came to the end of, I don't know, they, just, they, they exhausted every possibility of surviving and came to the conclusion, the only way we survive this is to relocate. We're going to have to leave Israel. And they decided to relocate to a country called Moab. And the Moabites, you know, had, they were hostile toward the Israelites. But yet this man and his family made the move. They left their home. They left their farm. They left their extended family. They left all their friends. They left their culture. And they went and relocated in this land. And I believe the only way they could have done that is they knew this is, a te- this is temporary. This is a temporary fix. One of these days, it's going to start raining in Israel again, and, and God's going to provide with, with abundant crops, and when he does, we'll go back home. We'll reconnect. We'll rebuild. It's going to be okay. And then while in Moab, tragedy struck, Elimelech died. He never got to go back. Naomi buried her husband in this foreign land, and I believe the only solace she had was she had her two sons. And those two boys married Moabite women. One married a girl named Orpah. The other married a girl named Ruth. Ten years passed in Moab. And i got to believe Naomi never saw this lasting a decade. But ten years later, she's still there. And tragedy struck again. And both of her sons died. Naomi buries her sons there. They leave behind widows. Now think about what this woman has experienced. She's lost her home, lost her farm, you know, lost her, her extended family, her friends, her lifestyle. Now she's lost her husband, she's lost her sons. And we saw last week, she wasn't just a good person, she was a godly person. And God had allowed a lot of bad things to happen to this woman. Now she hears that 
God is blessing in Israel again. And so she and one of the daughters-in-law, the one named Ruth, they go back to Bethlehem and they arrive there at the beginning of the barley harvest. Chapter 2 begins by introducing us to a brand new character in the story. It's a man whose name was Boaz. The Bible tells us that he was wealthy. You, know, you get that. Not, the Bible wasn't saying he just made a good living. Uh, it meant he was loaded. That's exactly what it meant. He probably had more money than anyone to do with. If he had wanted to live an extravagant lifestyle, it was well within his means to do so. He was wealthy, but he's also described as influential. The man had clout. He had authority. When he spoke, people listened. You know, when he spoke, people acted. And and really and truly, it wasn't because of some position he had been given or some title that he held. The word influential actually means a man of integrity and character, a man who had proven himself to be trustworthy and wise. And so people respected him and they responded to him. And the Bible tells us that he was also a blood relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. And that's where we're going to pick up on the story. And I want us to read verse number 2 and verse number 3. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And this next phrase is a key phrase in the whole book. You know, in some ways, the whole book kind of turns on this. The Bible says, as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Israel had a welfare program in place, and it was outlined for them in the Bible. When, when, when uh, the crops were being harvested, it was against the law to harvest the grain that stood in the corners of your field. had to be left standing. And when the harvesters evacuated the field, orphans, widows, foreigners, anyone who was poor was allowed to come in and harvest from the corners of the field. Now, they all, anything else that the, that the harvesters had dropped or just missed, they were allowed to harvest it, and that's how they lived. It was called gleaning. And so Ruth looks at her mother-in-law, Naomi, and says, I'm going to go do that. Naomi goes, two thumbs up, have at it. She goes out, and the Bible says, just as it happened, she ended up in the field that belonged, in a field that belonged to Boaz. Now, as she is gleaning, at some point in the day, Boaz shows up. And he greeted the workers in the field the way I'm sure your supervisor greets you every morning when they arrive. He said, you know, the Lord be with you. Does that sound like your supervisor? Does that sound like it, huh? Got it? And of course, all these workers, you know, and they, they in turn look at him and they go, you know, the Lord bless you. And is that what you say on Monday morning to your supervisor? Now Boaz is looking out across the fields and he notices Ruth. In the midst of all these harvesters and, you know, the, the men were followed up by a team of female servants who would bind up the grain that had been cut in sheaves, in the midst of all those women, he spots and notices her. I think I know why. 
I think she was easy to notice. I think she was a looker. You know, I, you know how I am. I love to kind of imagine what the people might have looked like. When I imagine Ruth, I tell you who I see. I see Angelina Jolie in her prime. Huh? That's who I see. Cascading dark hair, those brown eyes, bronze skin, pouting lips. Not that I've ever noticed. I heard Scott Lee describing her last week. <laughs> He's got this Angelina Jolie thing going on. I don't know. He told me after the first service that Denise had left him. But God is good. That's what he said. God is good. Now, I believe that she, you know, she was a good-looking woman. And Boaz was a single man. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear it? You might have heard Cupid just release an arrow. So he says, he asked his foreman, who, who is that? He said, that's the Moabite girl that came back with Naomi, who's taking care of her. And said she showed up early this morning, and she asked if she could glean in the field. And I gave her permission. Now, I want you to understand, she was supposed to have waited till everybody was gone, and the rest of the poor could show up. But she had asked permission to go out and actually glean before they finished harvesting the field. And what do you think the foreman said to this good-looking, hot woman? He said, oh, absolutely, just do whatever you want to do. So she's out there actually working with them. And so he's kind of explaining to the landowner why he's allowed that to happen. He said, now, i got to tell you something. You know, he didn't say, hey, man, she's hot. You can see that. That's the reason I'm like, he said, she is a hard worker. She's, she's been working hard at it all morning. She's only stopped to take one little break. You know, so he's really bragging on her. Well, Boaz walks out into the field to his men. You know, they got their sickles. They're cutting the grain. And he goes, time out, guys. All of you come over here. Come here. Come here. Gather around. And he said, you see that woman over there? And like, like one of them hadn't noticed her either. You know, you're like, yeah. He said, not a hand. None of you are going to lay a hand on her. You got it? Oh, they got it. He goes out then and he begins a conversation with Ruth. And he starts off by saying, daughter. Now, she's a young woman. He's a middle-aged man. Now, in my mind, when I'm picturing Boaz, I kind of see Sean Connery middle-aged. Has anybody ever seen the movie Hunt for Red October? Anybody ever seen that old movie? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Oh, my gosh, I'm dating myself. Did you ever see Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Anybody ever see that movie? Well, i got about seven people who know what I'm talking about. I picture him looking a lot like Sean Connery, you know, when he was middle-aged. And he walks out there and he says, Daughter, I, I want to encourage you to do something during this entire harvest. Don't you go to anybody else's fields, you stay in my fields. Every morning, you just look for my harvesters, you find them, you fall in behind my servant girls, and you glean to your heart's content. He gave her permission. You don't have to wait on the fields to be emptied. You don't have to wait on the harvesters to get through. You just go glean. He said, by the way, uh, you see all them jack legs over there with the sickles? I've told them not to bother you. Honey, anytime you need a drink of water, those men have drawn water from the well. You help yourself. You go get a drink. You know what? She, you know how she responded to this? The Bible says she fell down on her knees. And she looked up at him and said, I simply don't get it. Why are you being so kind to me? The word is actually gracious. Why are you showing me such grace, such favor?
You see, he was going way beyond the letter of the law. He was going way beyond what was required of him. He was doing things for her that really he wasn't doing for anyone else. She said, why are you showing me such grace? I'm a foreigner. He said, I know that. But I also know the sacrifices you've made so that you could take care of your mother-in-law. And I've heard about the acts of kindness you've shown to her. I get that. And then in verse number 12, I want you to see what he said to her. He said, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. So in other words, he's saying God is up to something. God is doing something good for you because of what you've done. Was he talking about necessarily the things she had done for Naomi? No, 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 no. He's saying that like like a baby chick would run to a mother hen in time of trouble looking for help. You've run to God in a time of trouble looking for him to help you. And that's why he is helping you. Basically saying, look, God's doing this. He's just using me to do it because you have put your trust in him. She says to him, you know what, I, I hope I continue to find favor in your eyes. And you certainly have comforted me by speaking to me the way that you have. And at mealtime, old Boaz invites her over for lunch. And, and, they, and she sits down with he and the, and the harvesters. And he gives her roasted grain, gives her bread. Gave her this dipping sauce kind of made out of vinegar and oil, I'm sure. And, and she ate to the field. She had to get a, to, a to-go box. Man, there was the, it, He gave her so much, she got a to-go box. She packed up, intending to take it home to her mother-in-law. She goes back out to work. Boaz calls the men back over. He said, now here's what it's going to go down through the whole harvest. She's going to be in the fields with you guys every day. And there are going to be some times she may get ahead of you. And she may overstep her bounds. And here's what you're going to do. You're never going to reprimand her. Just let her do what she's going to do. He said, as a matter of fact, here's what you're going to do. Every once in a while when she's not looking, you're going to drop some grain on purpose for her to pick up. That's what you're going to do. So the Bible said she worked in the fields all day. At the end of the day, she took what she had gleaned, and she beat it, separating the grain from the stalk and the chaff. And the Bible said when she finished, she had gathered up a half to two-thirds of a bushel of grain. She had about 30 pounds of grain after one day of this. That was unusual. That was exceptional. So she goes back to town to her mother-in-law's house, and I can just see her walk in, and, and she has a ba- I can just see her plop that basket down, kind of looking like that. And, and, and then she takes out the, the leftover of her lunch and said, I brought this to you. Naomi's blown away. She goes, what the, <laughs> you know, where did, where did you work today? I'm sorry, that was a part of the Hodge translation. <laughs> well, what, whose fields did you work in? You know, bless the person who had helped. She could see somebody has stepped in and helped you. She said, well, I ended up in, in a field that belonged to this man named Boaz. Now, in verse number 20, I want you to see Naomi's response. She said, may the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, man, this is a key phrase that I want you to see here. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That's the key sentence. You got it? That, and then she goes, no, that man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. And we're going to get to that next week, what that means. And then Ruth said, oh, yeah, and on top of this, he told me not, just, not to glean anywhere but his fields. I, I'm going to stay in his fields through the whole harvest. Naomi says, that's great because you're safe there and you might not be in the other fields and... 
The Bible said that day after day, day after day, Ruth went out into one of Boaz's fields, and she gleaned all the way through the harley harvest and then then she just continued through the wheat harvest this probably lasted seven to ten weeks every day she went to the field and found just what she and her mother-in-law needed to get through another day you still with me what do we learn in this story when life is bad Life is bad. God is good. Did you see it? You say, well, I get the life is bad thing. I mean, I know life was bad for these two women. Both of them had lost their husbands. Naomi had lost her two sons. And, you know, when you were widowed, I'll tell you what it did. Economically, you went to the bottom of the heap. You had wealthy landowners at the top, and then you had the hired people who were paid to work next, and then you had the slaves. You know where the widows came in? Underneath the slaves. There was only one way they could survive. It had to be due to the generosity of other people. It was the welfare program. So here are these two ladies. They've lost their husbands and they're living on welfare day to day. You know, they, they, they gave away those Life is Good t-shirts long, long, long ago. But for them, life was bad. So you see that with me. You might be asking, though, where do you see this part about God being good? Well, let's go back to that little phrase where the Bible said, as it happened, she ended up in one of the fields that belonged to Boaz. How'd that happen? Was it a stroke of luck? Huh? By chance... Random turn of events, a coincidence. I don't think so. I think it was an act of God's providence. Ronnie, you asked, what does that mean? I believe that God was leading her to Boaz Fields even though she didn't know he was leading her. I believe God made that happen even though she didn't understand that God was making it happen. He saw to it that Ruth came together with Boaz, I think that's how this came to be. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think Naomi saw it too. The moment Ruth said, I I worked in the fields that belonged to a man named Boaz. You remember Naomi said, may the Lord bless him. And then there was that statement I told you to notice. And then the next thing Naomi said was, he has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. Who is she referring to? And you read that quickly, you think she's still referring to Boaz. I don't think she was. I think she now is referring to God. I think she said, may the Lord bless Boaz. And I think she says of God, God has not stopped showing his kindness to the living, speaking of she and Ruth, and to the dead, to our deceased husbands. I think that's who she's now talking about. And as I studied this week and I read different commentaries, I found out there were other people who believed the same thing. So, Ray, I thought, man, I wonder if there are any other translations or maybe some paraphrases of the Bible that word it in such a way that we could see that clearly. And so I went to the message. You know what I'm talking about? A paraphrase of the Bible. And this is how I found verse 20 to read. Matter of fact, it's going to be on the screen. I invite you to read this with me. This is the way verse 20 read. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why, God bless that man. Do you see the next sentence? Man, it is huge. This is what she said. God hasn't 
quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. You know what, Naomi? Naomi's having a light bulb over the head moment. She's seeing something she's needed to see. God was in control of the circumstances of her life. And that it was no coincidence that Ruth connected with Boaz. She was seeing this as an expression of kindness extended to them because God still loved them. Think about it. You know, you know what Naomi's beginning to understand? God did this. God, God, God. He made this happen. You know why? He's taking care of us. He's providing us what we need to get through this. How did he do that? He connected us with a man of incredible resources. Now listen to me. Boaz had everything he needed to take care of them. But not only, so he could, but not only could he, he would. He had the disposition and the character. He was a man of grace and mercy and love and generosity. And Naomi's beginning to understand God made this happen and He's using Boaz as a means of getting us through our bad times. You know what I want us to understand? That when life is bad, God is still good. Here's, the, here's what he'll do. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. If God allows bad things to happen in your life, he will assume personal responsibility to get you through the bad times to better times. You know what he'll do? He'll send people. In your darkest hour, he'll send people. There will be somebody who shows up. Seems like out of the blue. Who just loves you. Who's faithful to you. Who says, I'll tell you what I will do. I wish I could change this, but I can't. But I'll walk with, I'll walk with you through it. People who pray for you. Who show kindness to you. Who make it easier. Who make the dark days easier. You know what I call them? I call them bright spots. Bright spots. In the dark part of the journey. As an expression of kindness. Because God loves you. He will send these people into your world. And you know what they're there to do? Help you get through this. One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Not only does he send people, sometimes he just sends gifts. He just gives you something. Just a little treasure to hold on to and enjoy in the midst of a dark period of life. These can be so subtle, they're easily overlooked, easily overlooked. And sometimes they're overshadowed by the, by the depths of the darkness. You just don't see that little... That little ray of light that he sent in a gift. And sometimes he does things for us. And, 
And these little actions, these little gifts, these people, let me tell you what they're designed to do. Just get us through a dark day and then to get us through the next dark day, get us through another dark day, get us through the bad times to better times. That's what they're designed to do, man. And you know why he does that? He does that. They're expressions of kindness flowing from his love. And he does it for us because he is a good God and he's good even when life is bad. You know, when I came to this church, it's one of the darkest periods of my life. Uh, God had let some bad things happen to me and my family. I don't know any other way to say it but that. And uh, we were devastated. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I was dead empty. Just dead empty. Emotionally, you know, spiritually, physically, all my gauges were right on E. And... I needed something, and you know, I had a lot of questions for God. Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you change that? Why would you? I just didn't know exactly where I stood with the Lord and where He stood with me. And I tell you, God gave me something during those days. And some of you are going to think this is the silliest thing on earth, but I'm telling you, He did. He gave me a new hobby it's fly fishing. I let Bill Childs talk me into fly fishing. And on a regular basis, I would slip off and go get in a trout stream somewhere. And I would enjoy this little gift that God had given me. And out there in the middle of nowhere, just in the most beautiful places, it was like I had, I was living two lives. I had this dark, difficult life that I normally lived, but then on these days when I was fishing, I had this Incredibly blessed, bright, enjoyable life. In those streams, God did things for me. The fellowship with God was absolutely unreal. You know, just refreshing spiritually when I come out of the water. So God gave me something. He would do something. But these little times in the stream were a reprieve from the darkness. They were bright spots. But not only did he give me something, and not only was he doing something through this gift, he gave me someone. Guy I started fishing with became my closest friend, my most trusted confidant, my most faithful intercessor, my primary source of encouragement. So that bright spot after bright spot after bright spot moved me slowly and slowly and steadily out of the darkness back into the light. Man, do you understand that I don't care how dark it is in your world, if you'll look carefully, there are bright spots. There are people, there are things, there are gifts that God sends your way just to get you through another day. Recognize them, enjoy them, use them. When life is bad, I promise you, God is good. So here's what I'm recommending that you do don't run from God, run to God. When, when, when God allows bad things to happen in your life, you've got a couple of options. You can run from him. You can run from him. You can see him as your enemy. You can blame him. You can become bitter. You can resent him. And you can, you can distance yourself from God. You can do that. 
And in the 30 years I've been pastoring, if somebody gave me a $100 bill for every person that I have seen go experience some bad things and turn away from God, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd pay off this church building. After I bought myself a bass boat, I'd pay off this church building. (laughs) To me, that is typical human behavior. If God lists something bad in my life, then he's got to be a bad, brutal, unfair God. I don't want anything else to do with him. I am out of here. That's typical. You can do that. That's an option. It's not a good option. Or I'll tell you what you can do. And I think Naomi was right on the brink of doing that. You know what? There's another option. You can run to him, and that's what Ruth did. Matter of fact, that is what Boaz is commending her for. He said, honey, you know why God is providing for you? You know why you're finding grace all over the place? You know why there's so many bright spots in, your, in, your, in this dark period of life? i tell you why. Because you've chosen to run to him. You've chosen to trust him. You don't see him as your enemy. You see him as your ally. You don't see him as the source of your problems. You see him as the solution to your problems. So rather than running from him, you've chosen to run to him. And that's why he's working so steadily and faithfully to get you through this. Man, you can run to him. This, this has been an incredibly difficult week for Golden Corner Church. Trey, if you'd put Allie's picture on the screen. And uh, this is Allie Dobbins. Allie started to go to the corner church when she was four years old. This week, we lost her. Five weeks from graduation, she passed away. It's been a tough week on this church. Man, it's been a really tough week for her family, Brooke Dobbins' family. That's her mom, Brooke. Tuesday evening, I got the call. Scott Lee and I took off to Anderson Hospital. Before we got there, Sam Harvey had contacted me and said, we've lost her. She's gone. We go to the ER. We sit there with the family for hours. Some of her family was there. Some of her friends were there. And we did a lot of crying, grieving, mourning. And we prayed together. Finally, Brooke said, there's nothing else we can do here. I want everybody to go to go back, go home. Let's just go home. So we all start to the door, and this is what Brooke said. Her mother. She said, even in this. You think about this. On the list of bad things, I, I kind of put, I think I put losing a child right there on the top. And this is what she said. Even in this, God is good. God is good. I want you guys to understand something. When life is bad, God is good. So don't you run from him. You run to him. Brock's going to come and he's going to do a song for us. It's an old song called Because He Lives. We closed out Allie's memorial service with this song. And I tell you, I love the message in this song. The message of the song is this. No matter what you face tomorrow, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what tomorrow may hold, you can make it. You know why? Because God's going to help you make it. No matter how bad life gets, God is good. Now, I want all you to stand. I want you to look at me. We're going to do something here.
I really feel like I'm talking to some people, and there's some of you, and you're sitting here, and, and, and you've experienced some bad things. You made it through. You may have always wondered, how in the world did we get through that? Well, now you know. God was good. And he sent these bright spots into your world, and just day by day by day, he and his goodness, because he loves you, showed kindness to you, and he got you through it. You know what I think you might need to do this morning? Come to this altar. Run to him. Fall on your knees. And just say, thank you, God, for getting me through that. Thank you. I see now what it was. It was your goodness that got me through that bad time. Some of you, you're going through bad things. It's, it's so dark. It's just been hard for you to understand how we're going to get through this. Well, well now you know how you're going to get through it. You know what? You're going to do just what Ruth did. You're going to run to God like that baby chick to a mother hen you're going to say this is a tough deal God and there's only one way I'm getting out of this you're going to get me out of this so I'm running to you and I'm going to ask you man if that's you I want you to just in just a moment I want you to slide out of your seat I want you to come to this altar I want you to run to him there's, there's some of you, and I tell you, the, the, the bad things have left such a bitter taste in your mouth. You know, you, you kind of had your, your shoulder turned to God this morning, and you're just a step or two away from, from running away from Him. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't. This is the day you turn back to Him, and you run to Him and say, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I was about to make the worst decision in my life. I was going to run from you. No, Lord, I'm running to you. I need your help to get through this. Man, people are already coming. Listen, if you need to run to God, you need to talk with Him this morning, I want to invite you to do that right now. Brock, go ahead and start. Come on. Don't miss this opportunity. God sent His Son. Come on. They called Him Jesus. He came to You need to run to him and say, thank you, you got me through it. Thank you, you're the one, your goodness got me through it. Why don't you come on right now? You need to run to him and say, God, I'm seeing it. There's a way out of this, there's a way through this. It's you, I'm running to you. Help me, help me see what you're doing. Help me use what you're doing to get through another day, one day at a time. Come on, man, run to it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future And life is worth living Just because He lives Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to just confess on behalf of everybody in this building that you're good. There may be times where, where we don't understand that. Maybe we haven't even agreed with that. But Lord, in hindsight, with, with clear vision, 
we got to make this confession. You're a good God. When life is bad, you're still good. Lord, on, on our worst days, we look back and see these bright spots and understand that they were gifts. Lord, they were just benevolent acts. You know, the people, there were people who were just a gift. And the things you brought us to, you were simply bringing us through. And thank you, God, for that. Lord, there are people here that, that don't understand, God, how they get through this. Well, I hope they do now, Lord. I pray they do. Understand, you'll get them through it because you're a good God. If there, if, if, God, if, I'm talk, if anybody is here in the sound of my voice that's getting ready to walk away from you, wash their hands of you and say, nope, no more. I will not serve him. He did not help me. I pray this, God, that you'll help them see this. They, you're their way out of this. I pray this, that we'll all draw up real, real close to you. Let you walk us through this. In the name of Jesus, we pray this together, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done and all you do. Amen. Before I let you go, I got to give you some homework, okay? Now, in your life, in those dark times, there have been some people who were bright spots. Haven't there? You look back and you go, man, I wouldn't have made it without them. There's no way. They were so faithful. They were so helpful. They were so kind. They, you know, they, they carried me through that. You're picturing them in your mind right now. Here's your homework. Don't let this week get away from you without letting them know. Without you, I never would have made it. Would you do that? Is that your homework? You're going to do that? And I want to tell you something now. This has been a hard week. And uh, I'm, I'm going to share something with you. I'm the shepherd of this flock. Allie was uh, part of this flock. And uh, this has hurt me more deeply than I, I could possibly communicate. I don't even know how to explain to you how I feel. Some of you sensed it. And boy, what bright spots you've been in my life this week. The texts, the emails, the phone calls, the prayers... He used you to get me here so that I could preach today. I love you for it. I thank you for it. You've been bright spots in a dark week for me. And I appreciate it from the depths of my heart. Thank you. You're all free to go.